Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by a best-selling author called the Human Encyclopedia of Comedy. He's been called provocative and essential, spending many of his years as a stand-up comedian. His latest book is Outrageous, A History of Showbiz and the Culture Wars. We welcome expelled high school class presidential nominee, Mr. Classic Showbiz himself, Cliff Nesterhoff. Wow. How did you know that? I was kicked out of school for running for class president. How did you know, how did you know that? It's nothing but research, my friend. My God. Cliff, let's go beyond the mic. For every comedian who tiptoed the line in the 60s and 70s, they'd be looked at as prudes today. How has showbiz evolved in culture devolved today? Well, it's really a matter of opinion how it has devolved or evolved, but there definitely is an ebb and flow throughout the history of comedy. You know, for every uh, new taboo today, you know, you hear this refrain today, you can't say anything anymore, you can't joke about anything anymore. And it sort of ignores all the things that you can say now that you couldn't for much of the 20th century. There are new taboos. Most of them are focused on various uh, slurs, some racial slurs, gender slurs. Some of it is bigotry or things that people feel is bigoted. Those are the new taboos for the most part. But throughout most of the 20th century, criticism of religion was taboo. It wasn't until the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour came along and David Steinberg did these mock sermons that it started to become acceptable to criticize organized religion. And when that happened in 1969 on the Smothers Brothers show, it still wasn't acceptable. They did it, but uh, CBS was, uh, was apocalyptic about the reaction that they got. Razor blades were mailed to the Smothers Brothers in response to David Steinberg doing what today would be considered a very innocuous comedy routine about organized religion. So for much of the 20th century, even just mentioning God in a comedy act was taboo on television, on the stage. Of course, Lenny Bruce is a famous example. And for much of the 20th century, criticism of politics and politicians was taboo. So there were all these sort of things that we now take for granted uh, expressions of sexuality, another thing that was taboo for most of the 20th century. Now, when you see stand-up comedy, it's almost always one of those three categories. Somebody's talking about politics, somebody's talking about sex, somebody's talking about religion. All of those things were forbidden for most of the 20th century and certainly the centuries prior. And so we do have some new taboos when it comes to slurs, but ultimately we have more freedom of expression today. And uh, that's not generally what you hear certainly not in the body politic or on social media you hear oh you can't say anything anymore the truth is you can say almost anything just a few new taboos in 1946 there were 10,000 households with a television set mm -hmm. in the u.s today that number is 124 million yes milton burl faced being banned for telling jokes <laughs> in drag a minnesota congressman wanted television cleavage regulated how close are we to that today? Well, in my circles, cleavage is not being regulated at all. It may be in the other direction, maybe. <laughs> but that's true. That's true. And, you know, like, I can't believe I live in a lifetime where side boob is uh, acceptable and a term because, you know, even as early as the or as recently as the early uh, 1980s in Miami, they banned uh, thong bikinis on the beach. They said it was obscene. And if a woman was dressed like that on the beach, 
she was arrested and issued a citation. So that was in my lifetime. So certainly when it comes to sex and sexuality, we seem to have gone in the other direction. Uh, like a, the, the, the Carly B song, am I allowed to say the words? Wet ass pussy was this huge, huge hit. It generated very little controversy. You compare that to what happened to Two Live Crew in the 1980s when they were literally put on trial for obscenity and in some jurisdictions convicted, found guilty. We've come a long, long way from that. So I don't think we're close to returning to that, but um, I can't say that we wouldn't. It really depends on the political sphere. That's where censorship comes from, is really from uh, legislation. So if there's some sort of sanctimonious person in power, uh, maybe they will try and clamp down on that type of thing. But I think once the genie is out of the bottle, it's very difficult to put it back in. And I don't think most people would stand for that. It's time for the back half with author of Outrageous, A History of Showbiz and the Culture Wars. Cliff Nesterhoff beyond the mic. Cliff, you once spent 10 minutes out of every one hour reading a Jerry Lewis biography. What's the best thing you remember about Jerry? Jerry Lewis uh had his own talk show in 1962 and he was at the height of his fame and they gave him full creative control to do a two-hour talk show on a saturday night he did zero planning his ego was so big he just thought he would wing it and it would be a success it ended up being the most expensive failure in television history it was canceled after 12 weeks it cost the network Forty million dollars. He had remodeled an entire theater, renamed it the Jerry Lewis Theater, put his initials in brass engravings all over the theater. Twelve weeks later, there was an NBC crew there scraping his initials off of every brass fitting in this theater. That is one of my favorite things about Jerry Lewis. What's the best essay you wrote for WFMU? Oh, well, uh, man, there were so many, but I wrote a, a piece about a very obscure comedian named Murray Roman. And he was sort of a Lenny Bruce ripoff artist. He was a guy who was older trying to be hip for the hippies. And he wrote a weird, or did a weird comedy record called You Can't be- Beat People Up and Have Them Say I Love You. And Tommy Smothers wrote the liner notes. And when I met Tommy Smothers at a Smothers Brothers gig in Vancouver backstage, I said, what is this comedy record? It has liner notes by you. He goes, oh, Murray Roman. He wrote for our Smothers Brothers show in the late 60s, but he died young. He was an opening act for The Who. And I thought, man, that's so interesting. I want to write about Murray Roman for WFMU. So I phoned Tommy Smothers a couple weeks later. He gave me an interview. And halfway through the interview, he said, you know who would know more about this than me is uh, Steve. Have you talked to Steve yet? And I said, I don't know who Steve is. He goes, Steve Martin. He wrote with Murray Roman. I go, no, I haven't talked to him yet. He goes, well, let me call him and I'll have him uh, uh, call you. I was like, okay, sure. An hour went by. I was like a bomb. I was 25 years old. I couldn't afford my rent. All of a sudden, my phone rings in my crappy apartment in Vancouver. Cliff, yes, Steve Martin, Tommy Smothers told me to call you. And we ended up bonding over the phone, talking about old comedians like Jackie Vernon. We have remained in touch all these years later, almost 20 years. He blurbed the back cover of my new book. So that is my favorite article I wrote for WFMU. It was a story about this comedian, Murray Roman. Cliff, do you still have a working eight millimeter or 16 millimeter projector? No, I don't. I don't. You know, I knew how to thread them at one point, And at one point I forgot how to thread them. And then I lived in fear of even attempting because it would eat up the films that were rare. I ended up selling the 16 millimeter films that I had inherited from my father. He was an elementary school teacher in the era. 
in which you projected films instead of like using a VCR. So I had a very rare Buster Keaton movie called The Rail Rotter. It was a Canadian film that he made shortly before he died, where he recreated some of his classic silent scenes. And he and he rode one of those things. I don't even know what you call them. You always saw them in cartoons, Bugs Bunny cartoons, where you like you'd sort of pump it up and down like a seesaw and it goes down a railroad track and then you go into a tunnel and then a train comes out the other end and almost kills you. One of those things. And he, he rides one of those across. Uh, Canada. It was called the Rail Rotter. I wish I still had it, but I sold it to some collector in Spain. It's time for one big question with Cliff Nesterhoff, author of Outrageous, a history of showbiz and culture wars beyond the mic. Cliff, there are many shows from Kentucky Fried Movie, Airplane, Blazing Sandals, Tropic Thunder, The Gong Show, Gone with the Wind, among others, that could never be made today. Mm-hmm. Is this a cyclical pattern, or will Hollywood be reduced to remaking shows and movies until... They're completely homogenized. Well, it already sort of does feel homogenized, but there's always artists out there producing good stuff. The good stuff is always small. The crap is always large, but that's what makes the good stuff special. Outrageous. A history of showbiz and the culture wars is the book. Cliff Nesterhoff. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. That was great. Thank you. Thank you for doing the research. And that, my friends, is I'll be on the mic shortcut. If you're enjoying these conversations, please check out another Beyond the Mic episode to find more actors, artists, and people you need to know. We'd also appreciate a like and subscribe on the Good Pods app.